We're wrapping up uh, the series on evangelism. This is the last message that I'll be teaching on evangelism. Uh, Next week, we start a series on community. Uh, And I'm looking forward to that series, and I think it's going to be really good for you to have a context to why we as uh, believers should be in community. But for today, I want you to turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. I only want to read the first two verses, uh, and then we'll pray and see what the Holy Spirit would say. But Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2 says this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. How many people believe that? Okay. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Like, you can actually answer that. I'm going to ask it again. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out! Exclamation mark. I had to make that a little bit louder. Uh, Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Uh, A lot of times, uh, a lot of people, I should say, uh, know this verse much more uh, familiar to them in King James or New King James, where it says, let the redeemed of the Lord I'm going to say it again, do it louder. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. One more time, real loud. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So So that's what I want to teach as the last message uh, in this evangelism series. I want to teach from the subject, say so. Just say so. Bow your heads, let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to say so. Amen. Uh, January 14th of this year was uh, my 20th uh, birthday, <laughs> spiritually. <laughs> okay, some of you guys are like, what, what is going on here? Uh, my, my 20th year uh, being saved and a disciple of Jesus Christ was January 14th. Before I got saved, um, I used to club a lot. That's just what I did. I'm, I was a party guy. Okay, and so we would go to clubs, and um, I had I had parameters. There was there was, it was a process to go to the club with me because uh, I wanted to work for the LAPD, and so uh, there, there there were some systems I had to have in place. Uh, growing up in LA, when you go to a club, when you invite people to go to the club, you have to invite certain people to go to the club with you because you want to come home alive. So. Um, and some of my friends that I grew up with were of the unsavory kind. And so uh, there were parameters when I got ready to go to the club. The first thing was uh, that uh, if you wanted to go to the club with me, um, we, won't, we were only going to have three people in the car. We were never going to ride five deep anywhere. Okay, so uh, it was going to be me and two other people could be candidates to go with me and roll with me to the club. Uh, however, uh, you could not have anything on your person that if we got pulled over by the police was going to get me locked up in jail. Okay. And so uh, if they asked us to all get out of the car um, uh, and if they started looking around and somebody had some weed on them or a gun or both or more. Okay. They had a backpack full of something that they were transporting and forgot to tell me uh, in my career that I had planned and law enforcement was going to go down the tubes. Uh, it wasn't going down like that. So I was very, very particular about who got to go with me to the club. Once we identified who these two lucky candidates would be, 
uh, then I would say, okay, listen, we're going to the club, and the club that we went to was like 40 miles away from our house, uh, and so we were like, listen, we're going to go to this club, I'm going to pick you up, uh, at, uh, you can come into my house at 9, my parents are going to pray over us, and then we are going to, yes, that's, just, that's exactly what we did, okay? Like, I wasn't saved yet, but I knew the power of prayer. I'm like, just, Daddy, would you say a prayer over us because we just don't want to get shot. We don't need a bottle of champagne across our head, so let's just have a good time and come home, okay? So my dad would pray for us over in the, in the foyer, and we would get in the car, and we would go to the club. Now, uh, when you go to the club, uh, if you've ever been to the club, anybody ever been to the club? Just, don't lie, you've been to the club, okay. Okay, whoa. <laughs> Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> Somebody's hand is suspended in midair. He can't even bring it down. He's like, I was actually there last night. Okay. Don't keep it up that long. Fall back. Okay. So, so, so if, if, if you were a real good club goer, you didn't wait to get to the club before you started celebrating or like getting into the mood. There was like a pre-club ritual that, you know, you, somebody, and I was, you know, I was born in 75, so I, cassette tapes, like the mixtape. Like you had a mixtape and you put it in and like you would already be getting live on your way to the club so that when you got to the club, no one had to really give you a reason to turn up. You was ready already. Okay. So you get to the club, you park, you get out, okay? You took your time getting dressed. My brother would uh, uh, crease my jeans because I didn't know how to do a straight line with a crease. And so, uh, still don't. So, um, it's just not even there. So, uh, he would starch them, and then they would stand, uh, they would be so starched, they'd just stand up, and you could just step into them, okay? Get to the club, uh, you got to go through the metal detector, okay? Because unsavory people. Okay, so you walk in, and uh, we're in line, and I have two guys that are with me, and I just got ready to pay and get the little glow-in-the-dark stamp, okay? Uh, it's amazing that Chuck E. Cheese has the same thing. It's weird. It's like they're prepping them for the turn up. So um, <laughs> I just thought about that right now. Sorry. You walk in and right, okay, I got ready to pay. And then there's a tap on my shoulder. And my friend, who I love, taps me on the shoulder and leans in and says, hey, man, I don't have no money. Right now? You, you, you wanted to tell me that right now. Like, let me just back up. Not when I called you seven hours ago as a candidate to go with me to the club. That was your perfect opportunity right there to say, man, I would love to. Can you spot me tonight? I don't have any money. Mm -mm, you didn't say that. Not when... You came over to my house so we could consolidate and go in one car. Did you say, hey, man, by the way, I don't have any money? Not when my daddy prayed for us. <laughs> Did you think in your mind one time to say, I don't have any money? Uh, not during the pre-club warm-up. In between when one song fades and another one comes on. <laughs> Did you even... 
attempt to interject during that time. Hey, man, I don't have any money. When we got out of the car, walking into the establishment, you didn't say, I don't have any money. Mm -mm, mm -mm, No, you waited until I had money out to tap me on the shoulder and tell me, hey, man, I don't have any money. So, here's what's going to happen. Here are my keys. <laughs> the car better be parked in the same spot that I parked in. You can listen to the music. We'll be out around too. There's no Uber back then. I walked in and I left them there. I'm not being mean. It's the principal, Smokey. <laughs> Ten people know what that means. Okay. Um, all right. It was the principle of the thing. I, I left them because I, I just thought to myself, if, if you didn't have the money, how come you just didn't say so? Like, like if you don't have it, say so. If you do have it, say so. What I love about this particular verse is that it asks the question, and it doesn't take long to have an answer. Have you been redeemed? If the answer's yes, say so. If the answer's no, say so. We're called to share our faith. We are called as redeemed believers of Jesus Christ to share our faith in Jesus Christ with believers and unbelievers alike. The thing that is so interesting to me is that many people don't share their faith for many reasons. Uh, There's a few that I want to explore. I just want to encourage you that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've been redeemed, this entire message is, in, is, is meant to encourage you to say so. So I have three points that I want to give you first. Uh, the three reasons people do not share their faith. I have these in first person, but I want you to write these down. The three reasons people do not share their faith. Point number one, don't ask, don't tell. If you don't ask me, I'm not telling. You know, I don't want it to get weird. You know, I I believe in Jesus, but I don't want it to be like really weird. And so if they don't ask me, I don't tell them. Like if they ask me, hey, are you a Christian? Then I'll be kind of like, yeah. But if they don't ask, I'm not going to tell because I just don't want it to be too weird. We are commanded as believers in Jesus Christ to share the good news about our Lord and Savior. And the don't ask, don't tell policy does not work in a relationship for this reason. How many people married or dating would like your spouse or the person you're dating to tell you, hey, listen, um, when I go out, unless anybody asks me, If I'm with you, I'm not telling them. 
Can you imagine looking your spouse in the face and say, hey, listen, uh, when I go out, I don't tell people that we're married. I don't want it to just be weird for them when I'm in their presence. So, you know, if they don't ask, I'm not going to tell them. I'm just going to act like, you know, we're, we're, we're not married. But if they ask me, they're inviting me into it. And then, and then anybody that's married or dating, would you, anybody down for that? Down for the don't ask, don't, no, mm-hmm, no, he's not either. <laughs> he's not down for that either. The don't ask, don't tell policy implies that uh, I I have something, but I don't want to tell you about it just in case you're offended by it. We clearly have been commissioned by the Lord to share. So that's one of the reasons. Here's the second reason. I don't know the Bible that well. I don't know the Bible very well. This is one of the reasons people do not share their faith. This is not a comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't know my Bible very well. And, and, and there's, this, there's, this, there's this thought process that uh, I have to be a theologian in order to share my faith. That I must have a doctorate in divinity before uh, I open my mouth and tell people that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because I don't ever want to get, you know, painted into a corner where where somebody might challenge me on something that I don't know about the Bible. Hey, listen, uh, I don't care if you've been saved two hours or for 20 years, there are things in the Bible we still don't understand. Our great commission is not contingent on how much Bible we know. Do we know the person of the Bible? That's the question that needs to be answered. And so here we are with, with people who are like, I, listen, I don't, I don't know the Bible that much, but you know, mm, I don't want to share. My mother uh, has been saved for over 50 years. And when I first gave my life to the Lord 20 years ago, uh, it was around, she was, uh, uh, saved around 30 years. And I remember asking her a question. And you got, I got to give you context. So my mom, uh, when she, when she, whenever she gets a new Bible, uh, she reads the entire Bible first before she starts studying it. Okay. And so there, there are uh, uh, these beautiful keepsakes that we have where she's given Bibles to each of the children. I have about three of her Bibles. And there's no page that you can turn to in the whole Bible that doesn't have a red check mark in the corner of it because she's read every single page of that Bible. And then she's a fierce underliner as well. I mean, it's just. (laughs) So you read some passages, you're like, oh, this meant a lot to you right here, okay? She said something profound to me when I first got saved. She said, Tim, as long as I've been saving as much as I know about the Bible, it would only fill the eye of a needle. Listen, let me tell you something about this book. As long as you open it, it will be opening you. As long as you're going to be reading it, it will be reading you. It cannot be exhausted. And there's no way that any of us would ever have our minds around all of it. So let's not use that as the reason or excuse of why we will not share our faith. Point number three of the three reasons people Uh, do not share their faith. Jesus is working for me. Like, like Jesus is good for me. I, I, 
I like him, but I'm not going to assume you like him. Like, like I have a relationship with Jesus and man, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what he wants to do with you. I just, I know it's working for me though. Like, like I actually hear believers like, man, listen, hey, I mean, I'm saved, but I'm, I mean, I don't know what he wants to do for you. You don't know what he wants to do for them? He wants to do for them the same thing he's done for us. Bring him into a relationship with the God of the universe, of all creation, of our souls, of ourselves. So you have people in this awkward kind of, ooh, you know, mm, whatever, you know, I don't know what path the Lord has you on. It's working for me. It's almost like a diet. Like, look, I've lost seven pounds in three weeks. I don't know if you need to, but I'm just eating spinach, some strawberries, and some nasty dressing that I have to have three times a day. But whatever God is telling you to do, just, just do that. Let us not be the ones that disavow our knowledge of God so that we can keep the status quo. Let us not be the type of believers that would um, distance ourselves from the extravagant relationship that God afforded us to have through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, because we don't want to make someone uncomfortable. So let me give you the three reasons why people do share their faith. Number one, and I have this in first person again, I changed. You'll share your faith if you've changed. Anybody in here has given their life to Jesus Christ and you've changed? Say so. Okay. If you've changed, there's no way you can hide it. <laughs> if you haven't changed, no one will know the difference. If you have changed, it's going to be kind of hard to keep that a secret. I remember when I, when I got saved, uh, within 48 hours, I didn't have any more friends. And the reason why I didn't have any more friends is not because they were being mean to me. Uh, they were respecting my decision, but it was a decision they were not ready to make. And the reason why they left me alone is because I had changed. Those same friends that I was the ringleader, let's go to the club. They were like, hey, you want to go to the club? And I was like, yeah, no. I'm not going to the club. They were like, man, oh, so what are you going to do? I'm like, ooh, play PlayStation. <laughs> Try to find a Bible study? They were like, that is boring, bro. We'll tell you how the club was. And I remember uh, it was boring at first because I hadn't met anyone else that had made the decision I had made. Over several months, I started to meet some people my age who were really as in love with Jesus Christ as I was. And because they were, we started to connect, and I did not even miss the clubs after a few months. Here's what the enemy would love for you to think. If you change, you will be the most boring person on earth, and you will never have fun again. Christians have no fun. It is a zero fun zone. You can't do anything <laughs> except read your Bible, pray, and go to church. That's the only thing Christians are allowed to do. What? Simply not the truth. 
You get to have fun. You just get to do it in a way that doesn't require cops and (laughs) metal detectors and feeling empty when you wake up in the morning. When God sets boundaries for our lives, it's not because he's trying to punish us. It's because he's protecting us. And so when you've changed, everybody knows it. I remember, uh, uh, and you have to be born probably before 1990 to even have any indication of what I'm talking about. Uh, But uh, a long time ago, there used to be an online service called Prodigy. Anybody remember Prodigy? (laughs) Seven people. (laughs) Everybody's like, "Mm -mm." no, have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and, And the successor to Prodigy Uh, was this startup company called American Online. And we had American Online 1.0, the very first one ever, okay? And you had to use the modem to get on. And you were online, and you're, you're in your little chat room. And I started a Bible study, uh, a, a Bible study that went from 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to 12 midnight, Pacific Standard Time, and I would just be typing away, doing this Bible study, and it grew to like 65 people. I was at home, I wasn't clubbing, and so now I'm doing this online Bible study? You have the most boring life ever, bro. Okay? But I was, I was, I was connected uh, to this community, I'm having this online Bible study, and do you remember the frustration of being online back in those days, and if somebody called... You got knocked offline, and you would pick up the phone like, what? I'm trying to have a Bible study! Has 65 people in the chat room. I don't even know if I can find them again. Now I have to start another whole group, and they got to find me. You better hope. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hang up the phone. I changed, and so everything changed. And within two years... Everything changed. Got saved in 1996, moved to Dallas in 1997. I met Juliet in 1998. That was incentive. (laughs) Got married in 1999. My life, it changed. And everybody noticed. And there was no way I could hide it. So when they asked, it just led to this beautiful conversation of why I've changed. And it wasn't weird. It wasn't like, hey, man, something's different about you. Oh, yeah, there is something different about me. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Who? Down in my heart. I got the joy. What? I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. I didn't have to do any of that. I remember the first time somebody actually sung that in church. I looked at my hand and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. And again, everything people say, I I see it in my head. And I'm like, so Jesus does Manny and Petty's? It's my first thought, no lie. Not only does he push back sin, he pushes back cuticles. He is amazing. I love Jesus. Okay. I changed. And because I changed, people noticed. And when they noticed, I got to tell them. I got to tell them in a very relational way, in the same way I would be talking about my wife. I'm in this relationship. 
with this person. I know you're not going to understand because uh, you don't have that relationship, but if you're open to it, the change that I've had, you can have the same change. Which leads me to point number two. I've changed. People that share their testimony, people that share their faith. Point number two, I know my story. I know my story. Can, can I be really, really honest with you? Your story's more compelling than just reading from this book. I know people that get up in the pulpit every single weekend and they preach from the Bible and the Bible is the truth. But because the words that they are saying has never been connected to their own stories, people walk out every single weekend going, where's the proof? See, there's three, we, there's three ways that you can preach the Bible. I teach this uh, all the time to uh, new, uh, peop- new, new uh, preachers and teachers. You can preach with the Bible in front of you. You can preach with the Bible in back of you. You can preach with the Bible on the side of you. If you preach with the Bible in front of you, all you're doing is going, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, do it. Yam, 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 yam. Okay? And people just go, I'm not coming back. They'll be nodding like this, and they have a warm smile because we're in church, so we're not going to offend you. We're not going to call out Sandman. We're not going to do any of that. We're just going to, mm, great, thanks for inviting me. Never coming back with you ever again. God bless you, okay? You can preach with the Bible behind you. Here's what it sounds like to preach with the Bible behind you. Hey, you know, my son, you know, he was drinking a Coke, you know, and he spilled the Coke all over him, and he just made a mess of himself. You know, sometimes we make a mess of ourselves. <laughs> have you ever just made a mess of yourself? Sometimes life will just have you make a mess of yourself. And just like my son had that Coke on him, you know, he was just all crying, Coke's everywhere. And I changed his shirt. Just like God can change your life. It's just amazing. I mean, he'll just change your life just like that. He'll take the Coke stained shirt off. He'll put a new shirt on you, no stains, and you'll just be saved. The Bible says that somewhere too. I don't have time to share with you. My 20 minutes is up. God bless you. No, it's not how we, that's not how we're supposed to preach the Bible. The best way we can preach the Bible is side by side. Here's what it says. Here's what it says to me. Here's what it did to me. Here's what it says. Here's what it does. Here's what it says. Here's what it does. Here's what it says. Here's what it does. And when we teach the Bible like that, it becomes life instead of mere words. And so I know you don't know the whole Bible, but you know your story. Nobody has to rehearse you on that. Nobody has to coach you. Now, remember what happened when you were seven. Remember how brokenhearted you was? Okay, repeat that, write it on a sticky note, and share that. No, we know our story. Share that. I know my story. I know that I came from an incredible home with two parents that loved Jesus and taught me the Word of God from the time I was four years old. I still have audio cassette tapes of our little voices, me and my younger brother, uh, quoting the Bible and doing devotions with my mom. It's a beautiful uh, part of my life that I will never let go. I cherish it. 
But I also got molested when I was eight years old by a neighbor that lived across the street from me. In a quiet neighborhood on a cul-de-sac where everything should have just been safe and nice, this person who had been hurt and abused himself started to abuse others, and I was not the only one. At the age of 12, I got exposed to pornography, and by the time I was 19, it was a full-blown addiction. I got saved at 20, and I was saved and still struggling with this addiction. Ten years of counseling, all kinds of stuff that I needed to go through to start unwrapping myself from the bondage and really the habit that had been formed because of this hurt and trauma in my life as a young boy. I don't, I don't need to write that down. I lived that. That's my story. So I just share that story. That God can change anyone and here's how it looks on me. Now, you may be in here and you may have never gone through any of that. I talked about this earlier that there's so many people like venerating the real salacious, hellacious testimony stories. Those are the ones that get all the mic time. Those are the ones that get all the footage, slow motion footage. The person that was in prison for 12 years, on heroin for five, shot three times, got into a knife fight, almost bled to death. But in the waiting room, they saw an angel and they gave their life to Jesus Christ. And everybody's like, oh, my God. And somebody has not been through any of that. Here's how they feel. I don't have a testimony. I've even seen the enemy deceive some people into saying, you need to go get a testimony. Hold on, I got to take a knee on that one. Just... You need to go get one. For the people that are in the room that have no testimony, right? You don't have the bad upbringing. Your parents loved you, affirmed you. You grew up in a nice house. You had some money, got a car at 16. You should not be embarrassed of that. You have a testimony. You gave your life to Jesus at camp. See how I threw that back in there? Um, Okay, first year you go to camp, seven years old, you gave your life to Jesus. You have never stopped following him since. You're a mature disciple. You went to school. You were a virgin when you got married. You have the best testimony of all time. I'd rather have the people that have more testimonies of, I have no idea what you're talking about, than the testimony of, of, I've done everything out there. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So there's only two testimonies in the whole earth. Either God saved me from something or he saved me through it. And whichever one you land on, say so. If he did save you from a bad past and you had a, a, a car wreck that almost killed you and, and, and you did drugs, okay, great. Share the testimony. Don't edit it. Don't start leaving that out because, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm saved now. So let me just glaze that over with, hey, I was bad, now I'm good. No. Put it out there. Don't don't let your pride stand in the way of somebody else's freedom. Here's why I like unedited testimonies, because it gives people an opportunity to realize they're not the only ones going through it. And you would be amazed how many people come to church week, week in and week out, trapped in silence, bound and gagged, and will not open their mouth because they feel I'm the only one going through this. 
We have altar ministry every single weekend. We invite people to come up to the altar to get prayed for, no matter what the situation is. We will never judge you. We don't care what you're going through. We just want to pray with you. But I've actually been at the altar when somebody walks up and I'll say, what would you like prayer for? And they go, you know, just whatever the Lord shows you. And I'm like, yeah, no. We're going to work a little bit harder today. I'm not using my gift of prophecy or discernment to try to figure out what you're going through. It's much more easier if you just cough it up. Because I don't want you to give me any less respect in this moment of need than you would a doctor. You don't know him either. But if you were excreting green stuff, you wouldn't be checking for his credentials. You would be like, there's some green stuff coming out of me. I don't know how it's happening. It's glowing in the dark too, so I'm gonna need you to fix this. And the doctor's just like, hmm, glowing in the dark? Okay. What else? Oh, yes, at night? Okay, great. Okay, uh, all right, let's check you out. You know why the doctor is unflinched? Because he's seen it before. All the people that are working altar ministry, we've all seen it before. And so you'll be sitting there, oh, well, I don't want to say, oh, God, oh, boy, oh, here it comes. Oh, my God, I can't believe it's about to come out. Oh, my God. I get drunk. And we're like, really? It's 1.30. Everyone left already. You're still here. It took you that long to say you get drunk. Stop it! Whoop-dee-doo! Okay? Somebody else has been drunk. Anything else? Uh, I'm not married and I still have sex. Okay. Are you done? Whoop-dee-doo. We've seen that all before. I know the story. And you can change. Number three reasons people share their faith. Jesus can change your story too. This is the best reason to share your story. Because Jesus can change your story too. It's not, it doesn't have to be this kind of manipulated, you know, I'm trying to find an angle. It's just, I've changed, and I know my story, and he can change your story too. Wouldn't you like him to do that? The average person is kind of like, I do, yeah. I do need to change something. And if it's done in a very relational way, people will be open to the gospel. Here's what I want to caution you on. Don't fall in love uh, with the harvest. The Bible says that God is the Lord of the harvest. And when souls get saved, that's the harvest coming in. But there's so, there's so many people that are fixated on soul winning. So fixated that they never sow seeds or water them. And so every time they get with somebody, they're trying to close the deal. You ever met that person? They're trying to close the deal. Hey, man, you saved? You have a relationship with Jesus? No. 
well, <laughs> you're in luck, buddy. I'm the closer. Let's get you saved right now. You're like, I still got some questions and I'm still, no, 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 no. Forget your questions. You're going to go to hell, bro. You don't need to go there. What if you die tonight? You could be dead. And then if you're dead, you'll be in hell. I would never see you again. My heart would break. So let's do this now. And it's like, I, I actually, I've just met you. So what's your name? Don't fall so in love with the harvest that you won't sow the seed and let it be watered and let the Holy Spirit move on you to say, it's time. This person is there. Last story. Uh, my, my uncle uh, was a fire and brimstone preacher. Denominational preacher, fire and brimstone. Everybody was going to hell every week without fail. <laughs> they just were. Everybody. I mean, if you, if you got saved last week, you were on your way to hell seven days later, had to get saved again. So he came to preach at my, he was a traveling evangelist. He came to preach at my parents' church. And uh, I was 18 years old. And uh, my, my brother was with me and we we're in this service. And after it was over, uh, he was like, okay, ought to call time. And it's a small church. I mean, there might've been 45 people there. So we really stuck out. And uh, he just looked over and he was like, stand up. And so my brother and I stood up and, you know, I'm 18, I got, I got my earrings in my ear, my hoop earrings. I'm, I'm, I think I'm look good. And my, my brother, yes. Okay, we're just standing there. And he's like, look at you. Wearing them earrings and things. You're going straight to hell. And so we're just standing there like. <laughs> and he goes, uh, do you know if you died right now where you would be? There could be a bullet out there with your name on it. Now, remember, I'm visual. So I'm like trying to figure out who hates me enough <laughs> to want to shoot me, first of all, but to ensure I'm dead, take out the bullets and write my name <laughs> on the side of the bullet. Search the database, I couldn't find anybody. First of all, that's smart. <laughs> Are that disciplined? Then he said, y'all have a choice right now. You're already standing. You might as well walk up here and accept Jesus. But if you sit down, you gonna burst hell wide open. <laughs> you can't make this up, okay? Once again, my visual, I'm like, so hell, hasn't burst open yet? <laughs> and you mean to tell me hell's been waiting for me to take this seat <laughs> in this chair on this day, and then it's gonna splack out? <laughs> so we're still standing. And he said, make a decision right now. And you know, when you're really close with your sibling, y'all can make eye contact and have a whole conversation. So my brother looked over at me, he, and with his eyes, he just said, whatever you do, I'll do. <laughs> All right, well, we can just go up there and just act like we got saved, and just to like, 
to stop the madness. <laughs> or you can sit down and like really set it off. And so like, like there's a, that's the only two options you have, right? That's honestly the only two options you have. And so what I did was um, I sat down. And then my brother sat down. When we sat down, his wife jumps up. She says, wait a minute. Now just wait a minute. The Bible says, the day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Okay. So I've always had a mouth. Okay. Always. It's redeemed. I say so. Okay. But at 18, uh, it wasn't as refined. It wasn't redeemed. So my clapback was real, like, it was like an alley-oop. It was just not even, there was like, there wasn't a pause. It was like, as soon as she said it, I said something. Like, it just came out my, like, I saw it go out of my mouth and I was like, no. <laughs> it was out though. It was already out, okay? So she said, the day that you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And then I said, but that's the problem. I don't hear his voice. I only hear yours. <laughs> Here's what happened next. There's this awkward, uncomfortable silence. And then he said, we're gonna go ahead and move on with the service. Okay. <laughs> here's why I tell the story. I, I know it's humorous, but here's why I tell the story. Manipulation will never get anybody into the kingdom. It just won't work. You can't scare anybody into the kingdom. Here's why. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if, can you imagine scaring somebody in and the fear wears off? Where are they going? Right back to what they were doing. Two years later, I knew it wasn't the Lord, because two years later, without a sermon and without an altar call, the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sins, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ during the testimony service. And I've been saved for 20 years. Say so. That's all he's asking you to do. Say so. That's all that we've been commissioned to do. Say so. Let's not make excuses for why we're not sharing our faith. Let's just grow up. And if we've been redeemed, say so. We're going to see a lot of people come into the kingdom when we open up our mouths and say so. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message. And I have a real, a real strong passion to see the residents of Embassy City Church and every believer that calls Jesus Christ Lord, passionate people who are not afraid to share their faith. Again, it doesn't have to be weird, it doesn't have to be awkward, but we're commanded to do it. And we're not commanded to do it when somebody invites us to do it in the same way that you're not waiting for an invitation for, 
to talk about the fact that you're married, that you've lost some weight, that you found a new gym, that you saw a great movie of a guy that gets mauled by a bear. It's awesome. You got to see it. Let's not evangelize movies more than we evangelize the savior of our souls. Let's not talk about the best restaurant we've eaten at and not talk about the person that satisfied the hunger in our souls. If you've been redeemed, say so. You'll see a bunch of people come into the kingdom as a result. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. We're going to pray in just a moment. If you're here in this service and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord, but you want to, say so. And if you're here, you've been struggling with your faith or you've been struggling with sharing it and you need boldness, say so. If you need prayer for any reason at all, no matter what it is, no matter how complicated it might sound, you're in the safest place you could be to say so. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing one more song. And during that time, if you need prayer for any reason, if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, I just want you to come. You might not have all the answers, but you know enough to know, I think Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want you to come. If you need prayer for any reason, I don't want pride to get in the way. You can even be a leader in this church. We don't care. If you need prayer, get the prayer that you need before you leave. It's one of the greatest privileges we get to do every weekend is pray for you. I hope you give us that opportunity. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would call every person that needs prayer and every redeemed person that would say so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?